Halleluja. Halleluja. Wisdom of God. Dr. Harry, come and share whatever the Lord gives you from here. John, can I just say something? Sorry, I was just, um, last night when we were having conversations, Pastor John and I, with Estelle and um, Dr. Harry, what really struck me is because we have the core of revelation already in us all because of Pastor John's messages to us about the institutions, the economic, financial institutions of the world, the, the education institutions of the world, the systems of the world. And when he was talking to me about the darkness in the medical field, I thought that is something that will resonate with us. Because they are so pharmaceutical minded, the me medical, uh, uh, so you know that that would be something that would really be one of the whys. Why would you want to change? Because of the darkness that's actually in the world system, and in this institution of medical world. So we've already got a strong base of that in us, Dr. Hiri. I was saying to you, because. We can relate to that, that there is darkness. It is about money. We're not going to allow this to happen to people, even if people get, get a, a revelation from God about how to make people better. The system will not allow you to bring it because of money. So they'd rather have you sick because of greed. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Amen. Okay, so, so a little bit about gardening. <clears throat> so interesting things that I learned from Dr. Reams about agriculture and gardening. So Reams found, he, he, read, he was a chemist and a, and a physicist. He, he brought together chemistry and physics in a, in a very unique way. And he sort of redefined stuff that had some people confused, but you know, you're confused if you want to be confused. You know? But in any case... He had a definition of, he worked off an oscilloscope, so which, which means like you, you measure uh, frequencies in, in, in uh, oscillation. So if I look at elements on the periodic table, and I look at a pure element like sodium, sodium has a, a frequency in which the particles travel around the, 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 the nucleus. So it's equal to the atomic number of sodium. And then chloride has a different atomic number, there's a different frequency at which the particles travel around the nucleus. But now if, I'm, if I make sodium chloride, which is salt, the two components have to come together. And all the particles in the two components have to travel at the same speed, otherwise they're not one. So the one has to give up some speed, the other one has to gain some speed. So there's a new frequency, a new speed at which sodium chloride's particles will, will travel versus only sodium or only chloride. Now, if we get more complex, if I look at grape juice, there's a lot of different chemicals in grape juice. But in order for it to be grape juice, all the particles have to travel at the same speed. Otherwise, it's not one thing, you see. So that was what Reims meant by frequency. 
and he determined frequency of all living things. So he said, uh, the free, he would say sodium, for instance, would be a frequency of X or any, any uh, particulate matter. Any compound like sodium chloride would be 0.X. And then he said that uh, viruses and bacteria, 0.0X frequency. Plants, 0.00x. Animals, one decimal point uh, away from plants and, and, and from anim uh, animals from plants. The human being was in a different frequency according to his calculations than any, other, than any animal. He proved that we are not an animal, scientifically. And the sub-frequency, so the higher the frequency, the higher the development and the softer. So that's why an animal have a lower frequency than a human being, and, and their skins are harder. They have their own clothes that they're growing, so they don't need to put on a jacket, you know. Um, and the sub-frequency shows that the woman has a higher frequency than the man. She's softer, but she's also high, more highly developed then. <laughs> she, was, she was actually made after the man. He was made first. But they're on the same frequency, but, but the, but the sub-frequency shows. So the softer, now the interesting thing that Reims also showed was that the higher the frequency, the more varied the diet needs to be in order to keep the organism healthy. So for instance, an animal can have a mono diet. Like a koala bear can eat eucalyptus leaves all of its life. A cow can eat grass, one food, all of its life. A human being cannot do that. You cannot eat oats all of your life. <laughs> First of all, it will be boring, but second, you get sick. Because of the higher frequency, you need more variety. And the woman needs even more variety, because she's even a higher frequency. It's very interesting. So another interesting nugget from Reims. He showed that this, he, he defined plant growth in two phases, anionic and cationic. That was the words he used. Anionic would be leafy growth and stems and leaves. Cationic would be fruiting, seeds, fruits. So his foliar feedings he would, uh, and, and his soil preparation, he would do according to what kind of plant he was growing. So if he was growing a leafy thing, like for instance, uh, uh, grazing for cattle uh, or spinach, you don't want that going into seed because that's not what you want. You want it to stay in a leafy form, in the anionic form. So you can do that if you understand the chemistry. You can keep it away from seeding. Or you can encourage seeding by the particular soil amendments you use and the particular foli foliar feeding you use. For instance, I, had, I once grew tomatoes in my backyard and I didn't know much. And uh, for some reason, they grew amazing. I mean, high leaves everywhere. But I ended up with five little flowers. <laughs> it was just very disappointing. And later on, I realized I didn't understand. This was anionic growth, and I never switched it to cationic. Now, you must keep your mind open now, and your spirit, because there's something coming. Okay? <laughs> so listen carefully. Fruit, seeds, harvest. Okay? You want seeds. It's cationic growth. You want fruit. In the spirit, what do we want? Fruit. Okay, so Reims showed the following. That every annual plant on earth 
switches its metabolism from leafy growth to fruiting growth on the 50th day when it comes out of the soil. Okay. On the 50th day. The other word for 50th is Pentecost. What happened on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came and fruit started in the church. Praise God. He showed this scientifically. So, so if you follow his method, you would see that you have to switch your plants, the, the kind of amendments you use, as well as your foliar feeding, on or before the 50th day, just before the 50th day, in order to, to make the plant, like if you say you grow corn, you're going to keep the soil and the foliar feeding anionic until about day 45, 48, and just before day 50, you change your foliar feeding to the cationic formula and your soil amendments are changed. And they stop the, the leafy growth and they, they kick into, all the energy goes into seeds. Amazing. And it works. Now with fruit trees, you do the opposite. Fruit trees are not an annual plant. So fruit trees, you have to start with the cationic because you, uh, immediately you're going to want fruit. The blossoms come out and the moment the blossoms are at a certain stage, you're going to start your cationic foliar feeding, which is the one that will cause um, fruitage. And then once the fruit has been bore and it's been picked, then you, you want the leafy growth for the next year and you go to the anionic, the different foliar feeding. Interesting. One of the things that he adds to the foliar feeding uh, of the cationic part is vinegar. Small amount of vinegar. Um, he also measured the, the, he called it the line of direction of the, of the chemistry in the soil. Um, a simple thing he did was to measure the conductivity in the soil. So he said that plants grow from the energy released when the different inter elements in the soil interact. That's why he, he was in favor of tilling. A lot of farmers nowadays is no-till. And they say that's better to no-till. Dreams didn't agree with that. And the Bible says, till your land, in any case. So I just wanted to drop that in there. He believes in tilling. Um, but he said the reason for that was you have to stir up the elements because your, your phosphorus always want to rise to the top and your calcium always want to go to the bottom. And if you stir it up, um, you, you mix them now. The, the, the phosphorus want to still go to the top. The calcium still want to go down. But in the process, they meet each other. And as they meet each other, they, they react with each other and release energy. You can measure the energy with a conductivity meter. So you, you have a stick and a, a meter, you can go in your field and just put it in the soil and it gives you a reading of conductivity in the soil or energy released in the soil. And as you know what you're doing with the different amendments, you can, you can plot that energy released. And as you grow your, your plants, you can time the energy to be high when the plants are growing fast. And the moment you see that your energy dips, you can do a little side uh, fertilization and pick the energy up again. And you, you get double the, the growth in your plant. If you, if you understand the conductivity method of keeping the energy stirred up in the, in the soil during the fast growing portion of the plant's growth. So he would grow plants with an exceeding harvest, but also with exceeding quality. That's maybe one of the things I've seen with some of the GMO and other things being grown now, that the harvest doesn't take into account the quality. So if you, if you grow more corn, but the bricks count is lower and the protein content is lower, you grew less nutrition. 
you might get more money per weight because you're selling it per weight, but you didn't feed more people, really, out of a nutritional point of view. That's an interesting thought. So, so Reams grew his corn to a protein content of 18% and the bricks of 20. And you could make silage of that and, and feed milk cows and milk on that alone without any additional feed. That'll save you a lot of money. And you'll, you'll make excellent milk that way. You know. Um, now the same principles you can learn that Dr. Sandy Bedo wrote several books. His, uh, his website is advancedideals.org. And you can look up, and he wrote a book for the backyard gardener, he wrote books for the, the big large-scale commercial farmers um, on, on how to do proper compost, how to, uh, are the formulas of your foliar feedings. Um, all of these things are available, you can learn, you know. Um, some people, just, you can just start with a few pots at your back door. I mean, you can start somewhere, you know. Like grow your own lettuce there or something and, and just use some of these principles. Um, and see what you can get, and it'll already taste better and look better than uh, than some of the stuff you buy. You know, um, the in inherent resistance to disease. The healthier the plants become, the more resistant they become naturally to diseases. The more resistant they become to pests. There was this one farmer that um, he's he was doing the Reams method for years, and then his his plants became extremely strong um, with a thick waxy layer, and the neighboring farm had a pest of grasshoppers but they didn't attack his, his corn at all he would actually walk into the farm the grasshoppers all over him walk back into his, his his farm they would jump back they want the old sick corn they want to eat they want to eat this healthy corn so you can see the the principle involved there um, so yeah um, Good quality compost is easy to make. All the recipes are there. Basically, compost you make from uh, uh, you need a source of carbon and a source of nitrogen, and you need some trace elements, and you have to stir the compost. You know, you have to stir it every every couple of weeks or so. Um, you have to add the right moisture content. So, some, normally something like sawdust and manure, um, or leaves, cuttings uh, from your lawn, a little bit of manure, and you can make your heap. So Dr. Bedder usually made heaps about 1.2 meters tall and then he would make it damp but not wet and then he would turn it every, every now and again. You can actually do it very scientifically. You can have a thermometer and at a certain temperature you turn it. So there are people that are very excellent at making compost. Some people make this a huge business. I mean they have huge scale compost manufacturing and you can just buy a good compost from them. Dr. Beda always wanted to add like bone meal and all the trace elements and, and amendments to the compost to make it a super compost. Um, and one, one ton of compost is worth many, many tons of manure if you use it on a, on a, a vegetable patch. Um, so, um, but that's a lot of interesting stuff. I just want to give you the resources. You know it's available. Those who are interested in that. Um, and, and, and like having a farm, you can do it the right way. You can start, not just do a farm with vegetables, but do one that's excellent. Do one that's, uh, that grows these things to the limit of the potential. Let's see what we can get out of it. You know, Can we reach the level of the Garden of Eden again? I'm convinced we can. I'm convinced we can go right back there because we are born again, filled with the Spirit. We have wisdom. Amen? And we have all these things. You know, Let's just apply it and, and, and not settle for second best and see what we can do. I mean, that'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. If you, if you reach that level, it'll be so tasty. 
I mean, you're not going to market for that, but I don't think you want to sell it then. You just want to keep it your, um, for your family and your, your church, you know. Um, but there'll be, there'll be abundant production and you'll, you'll be able to sell, but it'll be in demand. It might be that the top chefs in the country would want your vegetables because they, nothing tastes the same <coughs> once they tasted your butternuts or <coughs> whatever, you know. Yeah. Great. So, so let's just go a little, little bit back to the word again just to, to start this off. I want to... So it's all about your ability to receive. And we have to keep that in mind, our ability to receive. It's never about God holding out on you. He never holds out on me or on you. There's nobody that he that he's holding out on. I cannot repeat this enough because I deal with people when the tie hits the road, that's always the thing that comes out. And that, that comes from the Garden of Eden. When Adam said, it's the woman you gave me. So he was not really blaming the woman, he was blaming God. You see, we want to blame God. And it's not God. God is, God is good. When Moses saw him on the mountain, what did he say? Goodness, goodness. We have a term in, in, in uh, science called absolute cold. When, when you cool down, I have a nitrogen flask at, uh, that where we keep uh, uh, seed from bulls at minus 170 degrees Celsius. Minus 170. But that's not absolute cold. Absolute cold is, I mean, I think it's something like 230. And it's called zero Kelvin. That's absolute cold. No movement of particles at absolute cold. God is absolute goodness. There is no, there's no, no other movement. Needed. He is absolutely good. So, so never blame him. He is good. When Moses saw him, he said, goodness, goodness, goodness. So it's, it's up to us to receive. That is the thing. It, it is the receiver that's broken that has to be healed. The receiver has to be in tune. The first thing is the gift of righteousness. You have to know, I am the righteousness of God. I do not have a sin consciousness anymore. The sacrifice that was found was big enough. It is an amazing sacrifice. I am free. And then you have to accept the gifts. It says, verse 17 of Romans 5, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive Abundance of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is, is a gift. Grace is never something that you can earn or be good enough to get. It's a, it's a free gift. And there's abundance of gifts. I can never go to God on the terms of uh, who I am or what I did to receive. Now it says in the... In, 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 uh, If, if I go back, where am I now? This is my English Bible. <laughs> so, if you look at Abraham, I mean, he was fully persuaded. Now, chapter, we're still in Romans chapter 5. Listen here, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Listen. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. The one, the one translation says, we enjoy peace with God. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. There's a place before God where you should stand to receive. And the place is called grace. I stand before him in the receiving place. And the receiving place is not my list of what I did right and wrong. It is not, why does this happen to me? My receiving place is grace. It is the gift. I come to receive a gift. The gift of righteousness. The gift of healing. Wherein we stand and rejoice. Access. Access. You see? All you need is access. Hallelujah. You have access. You have access to a position of grace. Where you can stand and receive. You can receive anything. He has given you everything. Amen? So we have to open ourselves up. Um, and we have to have the faith that whatever He tells us to do is for our abundant blessing. It's for, it, he wants to show you abundant goodness in your life. But how is He able to show you abundant goodness if you have a sick and broken body? Then every, all your faith, everything goes into trying to keep this body going. He wants you to enjoy your body. He wants to bless you in every single area of your life. And it starts with your own body. But it, it is the obedience to, to have the faith that I'm going to give something up. Maybe I like tobacco. And I like to smoke. you know. But now God tells me to give it up. Why? Does he want to be a spoil sport? No, he wants greater blessing for me. He wants me to not suffer from emphysema when I get older, where I cannot even blow out a candle in front of me. That's not his will. That's not his plan. Um, so he wants to deliver me from this tobacco. What is the difference between smoking and drinking soft drinks spiritually? Is there any difference? No, doctor. <laughs> Smoking is much worse. Why? Why is smoking so much worse? The one is vapor form, the one is liquid form. Does the same stuff to your body. Did you think about that? So the guy stands there with the soft drink in his hand, criticizing the guy that's smoking. That's bad. <laughs> Let's not judge one another. Because there's, there's no difference. We made smoking out to be a, a step worse. It's not. It's exactly the same. The one is vapor form, the one is liquid form. You're addicted to both. They're both bad to your body. So? So, don't bless the guy that smokes. Pray for him. He, he's still saved. Does he go to heaven? Yes, just sooner. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go to hell for smoking or for drinking soft drinks. That's the good news. But God wants you free. He doesn't want you addicted to anything. He doesn't want you having to um, get sick.
from anything. He wants you blessed in your body, where your body feels great every day, where you're able to enjoy your life, where you're able to be blessed, and you can be a blessing to others. Amen? That's God's will for you. His will is always good, but I have to trust Him that even though I'm not going to give up something, I'm going to, I must put my emphasis more on what I'm gaining than what I'm losing. You know? Um, and sometimes, you know, people say, for instance, they drink caffeinated soft drinks a lot. It could be because their adrenal glands are not working well. So when I, in, in practice, one of the most common problems that people have, um, that I have seen in my practice, is weak adrenal glands. So what happens? You, above your kidneys, you've got two little glands called the adrenals. And they have, uh, they look like a little pancake. And they have, in the middle, they've got, they make adrenaline. Different kinds of adrenaline. And that's what you release when, you, when, you, when you're frightened or when you see a lion. You make adrenaline, you can jump over a wall and you look back and say, how did I do that? <laughs> you know? That's adrenaline. But the outer part of the, of the adrenal gland makes the chronic stress hormones. And there's two of them that are of particular importance. The one is called cortisol and the other one is called DHEA, dehydroepiandosterone. So these two work together and they handle your chronic stress. So cortisol is needed to muster an immune response. When you have um, a, a virus that attacks your body and you've got good functioning adrenal glands, the adrenal glands will immediately up the cortisol production. And the cortisol will then immobilize the forces to go and attack. And that's a good thing. It's a temporary response and must go down again later, but it's needed. They found in, in the flu epidemics of 1918, the guys that died were the guys that couldn't muster up this immune response. They had weak adrenals. The other hormone called DHEA has a very profound effect on the deep immune system. So behind your, your breastbone, you've got a gland called the thymus gland. And this gland, when you're a child, this gland is well developed, and as you grow old, it, it sort of shrinks. But this gland charges the immune system. And it makes uh, all kinds of white blood cells that are sitting there waiting for any enemy invader to come in. Now DHEA has a direct effect on this gland. It makes this gland work very well. The other thing that DHEA does it uh, maintains tissue. It's an anabolic hormone. It, it replaces everything that cortisol used. So cortisol, because it's an emergency hormone, will use your tissues to muster the response. DHA will restore what cortisol has used. So it will, for instance, women with a higher DHA level have 50% more collagen in their skin. They're more elastic. They get less wrinkles. Very good thing. Um, DHA is the main androgen or the main anabolic hormone for the female. Very important hormone. So, what, what we see in practice, you, you, we draw blood between 8 and 9 in the morning. And at that time of day, the cortisol has to be at a certain level. Because cortisol has what we call a 24-hour rhythm. Um, it, it, its level changes the whole day according to the time of day. So in the morning, when you wake up, you must wake up with a lot of energy, jump out of the bed, the birds are chirping, and you're ready to start your day. Then you have good cortisol production. And then at night, you have to sleep nice and deeply, and your cortisol goes down. So you don't, um, you're not kept awake. Many times, the asthma patient will call the doctor at 1 o'clock in the morning. Just because they are mean? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> because that's when the asthma flares up. Why? Because that's when the cortisol is at its lowest. Now, what happens is that with chronic stress, if, you, if you're not caring for your body, you're not have, you don't have a good routine in your, in your life, you're really hammering, hammering, hammering like the Western lifestyle, chronic stress, the cortisol can be depleted. Now, I test the cortisol level at 8 o'clock in the morning and it should be 550 and it's only 250 or 150. So immediately I know this is deficient cortisol. So what, how does that manifest? This person will be tired. They won't have energy for a few reasons. Cortisol push against insulin to maintain a steady blood sugar. So if I have deficient cortisol, the insulin will win the battle every time. My blood sugar will be dropping, dropping, dropping all day long. And that causes a lack of energy. Because a dropping blood sugar hinders your ability to use oxygen. The body cannot use oxygen if, not, if the blood sugar is too low. So something we can do then, we, we tell the patient to rest, to recover, but I can give them a physiological dose of natural cortisone. And if in a week they feel like a different person. There is a difference between a physiological dose and a pharmaceutical dose. A physiological dose is, is lower than the threshold of the adrenal gland. So that means it will pick up the adrenal to the normal level and it will actually stimulate the adrenal gland to make more natural cortisol. Whereas a pharmaceutical dose overshadows the adrenal gland, it makes it lazy, it stops producing and it has side effects. I can give a physiological dose for life and it won't cause a single side effect because I'm doing physiological dosing. Um, but what, and then always we have to re remember that DHEA is the most important hormone to give with cortisol because it builds up everything cortisol uses. So a long-term use of DHEA at a proper level, just if someone has a low DHEA and I give that hormone to them at a proper level, their immune system will become stronger, they'll, they'll build uh, tissues, they'll feel better, more collagen, all of those advantages are there. So that's the adrenal glands. And maybe the most common thing that I see in today's society is number one adrenals. Most people have burned out the adrenal glands. And when we restore that, we restore their energy level. And I also tell them to eat properly for their adrenals. Remember your, your blood sugar tends to be dropping during the morning hours. And after two o'clock and towards the evening, your blood sugar starts to, to rise, to be in a rising fashion. So it makes sense to eat more when your body needs the food and eat less when your body doesn't need the food. So the way we do it, we always have a good breakfast in the morning. And my breakfast would include a very balanced meal with both carbohydrate and protein to have a, a proper slow release. I usually have my blue corn porridge or my brown sorghum porridge, a small bowl, with my egg uh, cooked in olive oil and my small glass of veggie juice. And that'll be my breakfast. Then say I have that at 8 o'clock. Then at 10.30, two and a half hours after my breakfast, I would have a snack. And we do that because at three hours, your blood sugar wants to drop again. It's still in the dropping phase. And I found if I do that mid-morning snack, my, my concentration remains excellent and I feel good energy for the rest of the day. It's like the mid-morning snack is the most important snack of the day. Uh, even if you don't feel like it, just get the habit. You know? 
And the mid-morning snack, what I usually do, I, I use seeds. So I have plain yogurt, and I have ground flax seeds, maybe chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, and I use uh, dates for sweetening, because date is a, a wonderful fruit. The date tastes very sweet, but it, it doesn't have high GI. It has a GI of around 50, which is, it means it doesn't spike your blood sugar. It sort of carries it. And the date has polyphenols that's very strongly anti-colon cancer. It's the colon's fruit. So I just use two or three dates to sweeten my, my seed snack. I like to add the berry powders to get more polyphenols, handful of blueberries, you know, and see what's in season. Um, this morning we had very nice mango on top of the seeds, or you can have uh, cherries. I mean, sky's the limit. If granadella is in season, you can use that. You can do many things. But, and then I have my, my snack that morning. Then my lunch will be around between 1 and 2 somewhere. That'll be my biggest meal of the day. Because that's still the time of day when I need food. And usually uh, during the weekdays, we have a more vegetarian kind of lunch. Although we are not vegetarian, we do eat meat. But we don't eat it daily off every meal. We used to, I mean, I grew up on a farm in the Free State. We had meat three times a day. It's a bit much. Like I was talking to another guy to squash, and he said, no, he's on his way to go and get some veggies. Uh, he has to get some vegetables. He said, where are you going? KFC. <laughs> so what do you mean? <laughs> Chicken's a vegetable. <laughs> so um, no, that's a bit much. And, and those guys tend to start developing weight problems and stuff after a while because it's, it's just too rich. I mean, if I eat meat so much, um, it's very rich food. It's high-calorie food. Unless I'm very active, it's going to start putting on pounds on me. So I, I, I like to do mimic what I do in the, in the blue zones, where they do have meat, but not on a daily basis. Uh, enjoy it uh, for a special occasions, maybe once or twice a week or so. You know, um, then I have my fillet steak or whatever. But um, during the week, I have we have uh, my wife makes a wonderful meal with beans, lentils, vegetables, olive oil, out of Ikaria, Greece. You know, she has this friend now on the on the WhatsApp, Eleni, that we took the cooking classes from, and all the books and everything. So you can learn how to cook wonderful food. I mean, beans and lentils sound boring, uh, but it can be very nice if once you know how to cook it, how to prepare it, it. It can be a very nutritious and a very nice thing to do, and of course, high in soluble fiber, and it keeps your blood sugar very even. And of course, it's a principle of complete protein. If you eat a bean or a lentil with a grain in the same meal, you have a complete protein. That means it builds protein into your body. If I eat a bean or the lentil separate from the grain, you don't have a complete protein. Because there's certain amino acids that's in the lentil that's not in the grain, and vice versa. So you see, most additional diets will have them together, like lentils and brown rice. You know, that'll make a complete protein with lots of vegetables. But if I, if I have a lot of vegetables in my diet, I can eat more volume, I get satisfied without taking the calories too high. But if it's six lamb chops, that's like the whole day worth of calories in one meal. Now you might get away with it for a while, but eventually you're going you're gonna to be a real frisk fris long, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that gets, it's just too much, you know. Okay, when we were in the Korea, they had a feast on the plane one night. So we broke our normal thing of not eating at night. And we went to the feast and it was like 9 o'clock. Uh, we were early birds at 9 o'clock. You know? 
Um, but they had wonderful goat meat. It was now, I don't know how they prepared it. It was, it was divine. It was very nice. But that's the feast. It's not every day. That's the principle. They enjoy it, but not every day. Um, so then what, what we do, so lunchtime we have lots of veggies. And then uh, my last food I eat before 4 o'clock. So we do a little bit of what we call intermittent fasting. So from 4 till 8 the next morning is 16 hours. You want to give your body a bit of a break. So I wanted to keep my weight down, not look, you know, um, without effort, without weighing food, without being on Weight Watches, without being all this. It's very simple. Just skip your evening meal. You don't need it. Huh? And you'll, you'll, if you can do that, you'll reach your ideal weight without a problem. So what's the big deal? Yeah, but the, the fridge is calling me. <laughs> It says, I've got fried, cold fried chicken in here. <laughs> you know? It won't work then. You know, it won't lose. You know? Then you have to go on the Weight Watchers with the scale. But, but you can actually eat. And the thing is, if you do the intermittent fasting, the nice thing now, I'm eliminating the food when I don't need it. So I'm compressing my time period in, in which I eat to a narrower window. But I'm not weighing food. I'm enjoying food. I'm, eating, I'm satisfied. And I'm, I'm enjoying good food. Healthy choices, of course. But with time your stomach will also shrink a bit if you have 16 hours. If you eat every two or three hours, night and day, your stomach never rests. And it sort of becomes overly distended. And, and you can eat like a, at a hot dog competition. You, know, you can eat like a 100 hot dogs, win the prize. I don't know what's good about that, but in any case. But if you, if you have 16 hours a day where you don't eat, your stomach returns to proper size. So when you do it, when, when we actually eat at, at night, we can't eat a lot because we haven't for so long done that. Uh, we, we, you know, we've, we just stop when we're full. And that's what you want to get because growing up, I wasn't, I was a very overweight child. So I, for me, I had to tell myself to stop eating, which is not a good thing. And I look at my one sister, she was naturally thin, and she would just stop eating. I mean, half of the chocolate is still there. Why do you stop? What is your problem? You know? Finish the thing and there's another one waiting. You know? But you, you actually have to restore this internal signal of I'm full now. And respect that. Because then you become, your identity changes. You are not a fat person anymore. You are now a thin person. You see, your identity must change. Otherwise, you're just a fat person that managed to get thin temporarily. But you're still on the inside, you're still a fat person. You know what I mean? It's, you have to change your identity. And that's a spiritual thing again. That's the way I think about myself, the way I talk about myself, the way I see myself. You know? So, so we have to enjoy the food. If I, if I look at Ikaria, those places, they enjoy their food. They, they actually make more of their meals than we do. And that's a big uh, risk. If you just gobble the food, you know, you're on your way somewhere, you have to eat. Okay, so gobble the food and go. You didn't register that you ate it. They would sit down, you know, take a two-hour lunch. Now, we can always do that, but at least have some joy when you're eating. And, and, and be mindful of your eating. And, um, and so forth. These things are very important to, to make you the person that where, where uh, food has its proper place in your, in your life. And it, it's there to nourish you, and it's, it's there to enjoy, but not there to be used in excess or as a crutch. It's very important. Amen. So, other interesting research I want to share with you. The, 
there was a, there's a doctor in the United States, Dr. Minkoff, that did research on protein utilization. And I want to share this interesting, it's very interesting to me. So protein utilization would be how much of the protein that you eat is utilized in your body. And you can measure that by measuring the amount of nitrogen that is secreted in the urine when you eat the protein. So for instance, if I eat an egg, it's a pretty good protein. It's balanced, and when I eat it, uh, very little nitrogen comes out in my urine. The nitrogen coming out would be reflection of um, the portion of the protein that was not utilized as a protein, but had to be converted to sugar because of an imbalance in the amino acids. Okay? Now, if I take the yolks out of the egg and I only cook the whites, there's one amino acid called methionine that only occurs in the yolk. That one is essential for building protein. So now you created an imbalance. 83% of the protein in the white will convert to sugar. So you, you're actually making yourself fat by, by removing the yolk. <laughs> Plus the, the, the burden on your kidney. Because now 83% of the protein's nitrogen will come out in your urine. And the poor kidney has to get rid of it. Collagen powder converts 99% to sugar. When I read this research, I stopped my collagen powder. It's the last spoon I took of that stuff. And I lost three kilos promptly. So, um, so what Minkoff did then, he actually took the eight essential amino acids and he started working on the ratio. Till he found the ratio, we had the best utilization that he could get. That was 99%. So 99% was immediately used as protein, which means zero calories. So if, I, if you take the amino acid blend uh, that we call free aminos uh, and you, you take like 7.5 grams of the amino acids, it will be equal to 60 grams of whey protein. The difference is zero sugar conversion, zero calories, and utilized in your, in your muscles and your, in your joints within less than half an hour. So that's amazing. So you can use this um, in a weight loss program. So many times we, we, we used whey proteins and soy proteins and stuff like that and we didn't realize the conversion is 40%. Whey protein and soy protein has a 40% sugar conversion. Um, and immediately when I changed the, to the perfect amino formula, uh, your, your weight loss is easier because less calories. But the other advantage also is that with aminos, it doesn't need to be digested. Like if you eat meat, it has to be digested. And it's long chains of amino acids that your body has to break down with the stomach acids and the pancreas enzymes. And older people, sometimes it's a problem because their digestive juices aren't as strong and they can't digest the protein as efficiently. But free aminos, it's already free. You just absorb it. So that was an interesting research by Dr. Minkoff that we can use. So we, we use that. We use it uh, in, a, in a shake that we make that, that works well for the cyclers and so on, we combine it in the shake with uh, yellow pea starch and yellow pea fiber and then we sweeten with monk fruit, which is a, a natural sweetener that tastes uh, good. So that is uh, just interesting research about proteins. And all along in the diet you want to get the polyphenols high, you want to go for color. That's why I do the blue porridge and the blueberry and the raspberry powder and all of those things and the purple sweet potatoes and the olive oil and all of these things, and a variety of vegetables. So go for color, lots of color, lots of variety. Don't go into a mono diet, you know. 
and, and be wary of uh, preservatives. Even chlorine, chlorine in drinking water, chlorinated water. Chlorine is a deadly thing for germs. So they, they pour, and sometimes the municipalities, the way they are now, uh, they, they're not functioning as they should. And um, there's a lot of uh, contaminants getting the water. And then the guy's conscious bothers him and he dumps more chlorine into the water to get it. And what happens? Chlorinated water suddenly. You know? And what does that do? It's like an antibiotic for your microbiome. You don't want that. So, so interesting thing, Dr. Reams was uh, very adamant that the best drinking water is distilled water. And distilled water would be similar to rainwater. So a lot of people ask me about this. Why distilled water? Is, is there not um, no minerals in there? You know, I say, yes, you don't want minerals in water. Because number one, you cannot absorb minerals out of water in the first place. If I drink borehole water, it's full of dolomite. I absorb less than 5% of the minerals. Because it's an ano, uh, inorganic form. Secondly, Borehole water has very low conductivity. I mean, very uh, um, high conductivity. It has a, a, a low resistivity. So it means it's a very dry water. It doesn't penetrate well. It doesn't hydrate well. Distilled water, like rainwater, penetrates your liver and your tissues way better than uh, any other kind of water. Um, there was uh, Thomas Alpha Edison, the guy that uh, developed the light bulb, he had a very bad case of osteoarthritis. His joints was bothering him a lot. And he changed his water to distilled water. And it went away completely. And he ended up recommending it for the rest of his life to everybody. Drink distilled water, Thomas Alpha Edison said. So, you know? so I, I've been drinking only distilled water now for years. And it's amazing water. But you need to, to buy a steam kettle and just distill it. We use the water-wise one. You just pour your, your, your um, bottle water in there, or your municipal water, and it boils it, then there's a coil that cools down the vapor, it drips out the other side. And that's your distilled water. And you'll be amazed what junk remains behind on this side sometimes. So uh, on Ikaria and those places, they, they find a lot of these blue zones actually traditionally used to catch their rainwater, or the water on the islands are pretty well rainwater that's distilled water, very low conductivity. So that is uh, just another side issue there. Um, so blood sugar, the, 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 the number one thing that determines how you're going to feel is your blood sugar. Keep the blood sugar even and your energy levels will be even. So look at your adrenals. Maybe they are weak. You can get them tested. We can treat them and get them better. Also eat the pattern. Have your carbohydrates in the morning with your protein. Slow release. Have the snack two and a half hours later. Have more of your food in the morning, less in the evening. And eat foods that slow release. Lots of seeds, lots of lentils, lots of beans. That slow releases the sugar. So keep your blood sugar even. Keep well hydrated. Um, and uh, uh, so all of these principles uh, plays a big role. With Reams' numbers, you can test somebody and you can see if their pH goes out. Uh, there's these interesting things we can do there. But there's some basic things like the hydration and the constant blood sugar and these things that you can do and stay away from the, from the fast foods and all those, you know. Um, it can make a huge difference in your life. You'll end up um, so, much, so much healthier. So much. We, had, we had good friends um, in Bible school and, and we spoke to, to them, you know, about diet and they were not very open. 
at that time, and, and later on we heard that the lady passed away, you know, from, from a cancer, and, and it, there was, and it's terrible, you know. Um, you, you, it's, it's a question of, and there were five people, but you have to be open to, to hear when somebody talks to you and, and when the Holy Spirit talks to you, you know, and, and there's, there's natural laws that you, you can't override those natural laws, you have to obey them and work with them. You cannot override um, gravity. It's a natural law. It's constant. And, and the same with some of these things nutritionally. It's, it's natural laws. And what we should do there is get wisdom from God. Get His wisdom. Get His light. Be joyful doers of that. And, um, and carve out the art of life. He's carving out a lifestyle that pleases the Lord. And it has to do with, first of all, um, these forces of the Spirit. And, and joy is very important. Make sure you've got joy in everything you do. Love, joy, peace. Those things are makes it easier. It's, it's easier to be a receiver when you are joyful. Amen? Yes. Um, so and it's, it's, if you can do everything joyfully and do it uh, according to the light that you have, that's all you have to do. You're responsible for the light that you have. Once you're here now, you, you shouldn't have come now, you see, if you, if you didn't want to do these things because now you've got light that you have to that you're responsible for and even if you just take one step the Holy Spirit's there to help you he's not there to condemn you he's there to help you and he will help you one step at a time and he will give you wisdom and he will build you up and remember one thing his will for you is amazing it's good he wants you well he wants you strong um, that's his will for you and if you work with him he's you're going to reach that that point you're going to see the goodness of God in this life and it'll be a testimony to the people around you It'll be a testimony because it'll be God's goodness. And whether it's a supernatural miracle, that's amazing. We like that. But whether it's a gradual process of you being obedient and building your body according to the direction the Holy Spirit gives you, and you end up in excellent health, that's even more amazing. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember Brother Jerry making a statement a long time ago. He said, do you want to always believe God for a financial miracle or do you want to live in the financial abundance? Well, the thing is, you want to live in financial abundance, you don't want to have to believe God for a financial miracle every month, right? And at the same time, he said, do you want to have a healing, need a healing miracle all the time or do you want to live in divine health? Well, the, question, the answer is you want to live in divine health. You don't want to have to live for a healing miracle all the time. So part of the reason why the body of Christ is always pressing for healing miracles is because sickness and disease is a part of our life. That's not what God designed for us. He doesn't want sickness and disease to be part of our lives. He wants us to live in divine health. Well, the wisdom of living in divine health is to look at what the world is presenting to us as normal and evaluate what the world says is normal and say, well, is this normally going to make me sick or is this normally going to make me healthy? And, and so just because everybody else is doing it and it's normal doesn't make it right. Yeah, nee. Come on. 
I mean, we, we as a people here in this, in this church, we are constantly recognizing the fact that what seems to be normal out there is not normally good for us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There are a number of questions that I recognize, even as Dr. Kheri was talking now, I recognize that he answered some of your questions that were on the paper. Um, I'm going to present him with a paper and ask him if he can take some time and just answer those questions in the simplest form. Um, we are going to break now, and uh, I'm going to find out if Dr. Harry can, he has to get back to Paris, but if he can stay for a little while after, after lunch, um, I'm going to ask him if he can. If he's not, you're going to get me after lunch. And then I'm going to share with you some of the things that happened to me. I've got some photographs for you and share some of the stuff of my journey while I was with Brother Jerry over this period of time. But I would like you to hear more of Dr. Harry, so we'll see if we can twist his arm and see what his timetable looks like after, after we're going to have some salad in the back there. <laughs> <laughs> And salad is not sp spelled Coca-Cola, you know, or Kentucky chicken. It's not that kind of vegetable. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, sh shall we try and get back here at quarter past one? And then I think we'll have more chance of having Dr. Harry with us again, because I know he's got, uh, he's got a couple of hours of travel ahead of him, and he, wants, he needs to be home before it's dark, so... Uh, we want to give him that chance to be able to get back. We're grateful that he has come this morning, him and Estelle. We're grateful for having them here and bringing light to us. Amen. Amen. We'll enjoy lunch, whatever that looks like. <laughs> we'll see you at quarter past one. <laughs> Thank you.